What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Truthzilla. Just want to check in with you real quick. Uh, if you guys want to support the show, we're strictly value for value here. You go to truthzilla.org forward slash donate for all the donation options. Um, you can also go to truthzilla.org forward slash shirt. Get yourself a kick-ass Truthzilla shirt. They're the best. They're the best in the business. I'm telling you. I'm They're telling really you. Nice. And we got I got some other ideas too. I'm really excited about. So stay tuned. Um, also, uh, sponsors for the show, dude. TruthTRS.com. TruthTRS.com. Get your advanced TRS spray. So Perfect, fun. dude. Like you know, along with what we talk about in this episode, you know, it's it's part of. Heavy metal detox. Uh, heavy metal detox. If you, know, if you have about a kid that's vaccine injured, this yeah. is a, a great product for that. Yeah, right? absolutely. I mean, we've seen there's just endless amount of there's testimonials for it. Really. You know, you can follow Truth TRS on Instagram at Truth TRS. Um, you know, they're constantly posting Facebook testimonials. Uh, there's a Facebook group. So just, uh, you know, TruthTRS.com for more information. If you guys have any questions, you can reach out to us too. You know, it's a great product. We stand behind 100%. Yeah. I love it. It's great. So, yeah. uh, also, Cody's Crystal. Cody. Cody's is Crystals on Instagram. At Cody's underscore Crystals on Instagram. Go get yourself a nice rock gem collectible. Or at least just go peruse his selection of, of, He's got a of, lot. of, of awesome little... Yeah. Rocks and gems and everything. Uh, catches live streams. He's just, he's the best in the business, guys. Really and shout out to all the people who are in the gem and rock enthusiast community that follow us. Yes, we love you. We think that you're do. the best. Like I love yeah. how there's just such a huge truth community out there. Uh, well, amongst, positive energy in yes, those crystals yes, and gems. Yes, they're channeling. And they're it channeling really and they're manifesting and they're doing all that good, <laughs> awesome stuff. And I love it, you guys. So, uh, Cody's at Cody's Crystals on uh, Cody's underscore Crystals on Instagram. Uh, let's see. Ed has a show. Yeah, I have uh, just one more thing to plug, and this is uh, for all you local listeners. Um, I think as parents, we're all kind of wondering what we're going to be doing with our children in school for the fall. Um, and, you know, it seems like here specifically, there's uh, a lot of, it looks like they're going to be requiring masks. And I know mm. I've made, uh, you know, a commitment to my children that I will never mask them. Yeah. So um, whether or not my kids are going to public school is, is up for debate right now. Probably not at this time. I mean, there's a lot to not like about public school anyway. Mm. But, um, yeah. but there is a group and I, I got to be a part of this, uh, their first meeting, which was a week ago today. And they actually had one today as well. But it's uh, Smiles in Schools, Lane County at gmail.com. Dot com is the email. I'm just going to give you that. If you're interested, it's a group that's just of parents that are uh, getting together and trying to look at ways to approach uh, school boards to, to to let them know that, that we don't want our kids masked. We need to get to them give, on the show. Give right? them so the science the to them. You know? Yeah, someone we could certainly we can yeah, reach out to. The you know, a lot of uh, Oregonians for Medical Freedom uh, members wow. in this group and just uh, people that are they're just sharing data and uh, looking at ways to, to contact your school board, to, to be active and to let them know so we can uh, hopefully make a change. You know, and if we don't, it'll be a great connection of people to, to find out Hire how we can co-op co our own teachers yep. and, and set up our own. I think that's what we need to do this, you know, this certainly. year. Yeah, yeah. We, we've certainly talked about that. And There's so, been some teachers that have been let go that we yeah, know of, certainly. just like in Lane yep. County over yep. this whole masking business. And so that's exactly the kind of person I'd like to hire and say, hey, I've got three kids that need, you know, schooling and I've I got, got a family that's got two, you've yeah. got two, and hey. We get enough together. And, and, and what we're paying I, what their I, salary. The point I made in, in that meeting too was is that what we do is – is we set these up and that's the pressure that schools need, right? Because yeah. the schools aren't going to change no until, until, until we're not going there, mm -hmm. until yeah. they start losing uh, their kids, until yep. kids aren't going to public school yep. because 
because they don't want it's, our, our kids there. It's, it's absolute garbage. And, yeah. while, and while they're there, let's remove some of these bullshit teachings that they're pushing through public schools. While we're taking their masks off, let's take some of this bullshit curriculum out. Yeah, yeah, there you go. I, I 100% agree. So once you get involved in those school boards, those, we'd have those conversations. Yeah, as well, absolutely. Right? There's a lot of things that they're trying to push yes. that, uh, that uh, I specifically don't agree with. Uh, this group in particular, though, is just called Smiles in Schools okay. at Smiles in Schools Lane County at gmail.com. Uh, send them an email. They'll tell you when their, their next meeting is. Right? This is just the email I have. I don't believe they have a website yet. I know there's like uh, they're on Facebook and whatnot. Just reach out to them. They can okay. get you in touch with the other parents and then become a part of this group and help us here. And if, if you're not in this area, start yeah. this group in your area. Yeah, reach yeah. out to them and find out uh, ways that you can do something like that in your community for sure. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, guys. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Truthzilla. I am Megan sitting here with Scott and Ed. Our guest this week is Dr. Paul Thomas, who has found himself embattled with the medical establishment for sticking to his truth. Dr. Paul is triple board certified in pediatrics, integrative and holistic medicine, and addiction medicine, and is the author of several books, including The Vaccine-Friendly Plan, The Addiction Spectrum, and COVID-19, life-saving strategies the news media will never tell you. He is also the host of the podcast, Against the Wind, Doctors and Science Under Fire. He is a fellow Oregonian who is the author of the famous vaccinated-slash-unvaccinated study that created shockwaves throughout the medical and pharmaceutical industries. In December of 2020, responding to the release of that study, he was targeted by the Oregon Medical Board, which voted to suspend his medical license over, quote, concern for the safety and welfare of licensees, current and future patients, end quote. In June of 2021, he was once again allowed to practice medicine with stipulations that included that he is unable to discuss vaccines with his patients. He is here to share his story with us today. Dr. Paul, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Thank you uh, so much. I, I feel outnumbered. There's three of you. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. We're, don't we're, know. Just, we're one green monster with three heads on it. So. Exactly. There you go. There you go. Definitely. One big Definitely. truth. Monster. Fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome. awesome. So I guess uh, just to get right into it, Dr. Paul, just to kind of give a little bit of history of, you know, how you ended up in the medical freedom world. Um, and, you know, I, I know I've read your, uh, your book, The Vaccine-Friendly Pl Plan, which I will uh, – which I will thank you right now for uh, is an excellent book and an excellent uh, starting place for any new parent looking at vaccines, I think, and just the overall health of children. Really, there's a lot of things. It's not just about vaccines, uh, just for, for parents that don't know. But, um, but you know, your, your history is kind of unique. You know, I mean, you had a, a friend growing up that, was, that died from measles. Can you just kind of give us a little of your history and how you ended up, uh, you know, on this path? Sure. Uh, it is not a path I chose, at least I certainly had no idea this would be the path I would go on. I grew up in Africa, a kid of a missionary family in Rhodesia, what's now Zimbabwe. Uh, indeed, one of my playmates died of measles. Uh, I was, gosh, grade school at the time, and he was a, a little bit younger, and he went off to the hospital and never returned. And my mom just told me later he had died of measles. I think it was complications of rather than perhaps measles itself, but... Uh, we know in Africa, if you have inadequate vitamin A levels, and he was an African friend of mine, I'm sure his vitamin A levels were not good. 
you're just more vulnerable. Uh, measles is not as deadly today as it is or was back then. Uh, nevertheless, that is the true story. So I went to Dartmouth Medical School where I was taught like medical students to this day are still taught that, you know, we have these killer diseases for which vaccines are the saviors of the world. As a pediatrician, which was the career path I chose, I literally just fell in love with working with kids. When I was in medical school, I thought I was going to be family practice so I could take care of all ages. And I went from my internal medicine rotation, dealing with adults who were smoking, drinking, drugging, and then wanting you to patch them up so they can go back and do it again. And I just <laughs> thought, this is futile. I mean, forget it. I followed that with pediatrics and parents are just, you know, loving and honest and they just want their kids to get better and kids do get better. And pediatricians seem to be the nicest people. Literally, they care about kids. I thought, that's what I want to do. So fast forward, I taught residents and medical students for five years uh, and then went into private practice for 13 years. And towards the end of that 13 years, so this was 2004, 5, 6, and 7, I'm just a mainstream teaching. I taught residents and medical students, like I said, mainstream pediatrician, still believing that vaccines are truly the most important thing I could do for the health of my patients. Although... I had started to see that, wait a minute, kids aren't doing very well today like they used to, okay? I'd already started to read, doing my own research, reading about, you know, thimerosal, mercury and vaccines and thinking this doesn't make sense. Um, I was starting to wake up to aluminum and vaccines that's put in there as an adjuvant to boost the immune system, but it really has no other value. In fact, it's a toxin. And of course, there's so many other toxins in many of the vaccines. So I was starting to wake up to the fact that, hmm, maybe they're not quite as, quote, safe and effective as we're led to believe, which, by the way, is a marketing slogan. <clears throat> but 2004, 5, 6, and 7, each of those years, I had a normal, I'm talking completely normal, great eye contact, happy baby at one, who by age two was completely gone, no expression, no eye contact, lost all language, autism, severe autism. Not all autism is severe. So this is where people get all confused about autism and it, it, it just ends up confusing things really. But something was going on that was like never before. So I'd grown up in Africa, never saw a single case of autism, never saw a single case of ADD or ADHD. I saw one case of mild asthma, this one athlete who used an inhaler before sports. That's it, my entire childhood. No eczema, no autoimmune conditions. I mean, we just went through the normal childhood diseases, chicken pox, measles, mumps, rubella, and rare colds in the winter. That was it. And kids were healthy. Fast forward to today, and more than 50% of kids have a chronic condition, are on oftentimes multiple medications. It's just something is way out of balance. So November of 2007, I walk into a well visit for a two-year-old well visit, uh, supposedly, well, two-year-old, and this poor little fellow, I mean, I wrote about him in the book. He's sitting there, no eye contact, shaking his head back and forth. I could not get contact. I mean, that's something I'm good. I go in, I smile. Hey, how you doing? I can get kids to react. Yeah. Nothing, right? No reaction. I'm thinking, oh my Lord, this is the fourth case. It was the last straw. I went to my partners back then. There was a group of five pediatricians. I said, I can no longer do business as usual when it comes to vaccines. I'm definitely not going to recommend the hepatitis B for newborns who don't need it. 
that one was like a no-brainer. When they first, around 2000, 2001, was the big push across America. It had been available before that, but that was when they said, we've got to move it from the teenagers who were getting it. Teenagers can be sexually active and maybe do drugs. So, okay, if you're going to give that vaccine, that made sense. But babies don't do that. Babies don't have sex. They don't share dirty needles unless their birth mother has hepatitis B, which is somewhere between 0.1 and 1% of moms in America have hep B. And we know who they are, by the way, because we screen. There, there was just no reason for that vaccine with its 250 micrograms of aluminum, a huge toxic dose of aluminum for a vaccine that is of zero benefit. Only The only thing it can do is harm you. That is still happening to, to every newborn in America who was born in a hospital. Pretty much, unless your doctor is willing to risk their career, which is what's happened with me, to kind of stick their neck out and say, you shouldn't do this, that doctor who does that will be seen as a poor doctor because they're not following standards, right? We have these standards of care in medicine. Well, you're, you're an outlier. So, you know, maybe we're going to drop you from hospital privileges or maybe like what happened in my case, we'll just take your license, right? So there's this a tremendous pressure to keep doctors in line, do as we say, follow these protocols. So that's where I chose to leave my practice and rather than conform. And in uh, 2008, June of 2008, I opened my doors, uh, Integrative Pediatrics. I was going to write a book right about then. I had enough information to write something like what I ended up writing, the vaccine-friendly plan, but Bob Sears had just written the vaccine book which if you haven't read that, it's still a really, really important book for parents who want to understand vaccines. What I did was I decided, well, let's wait and let's just see what happens with a different approach. So I developed an approach that's outlined in the vaccine-friendly book that is not a, it's not a recommendation, one size fits all. It, it is a different approach, but every child should be treated as an individual so you don't have one size fits all medicine. Well, after I published the book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan, in 2016, within a couple of years, the medical board in Oregon just starts coming after me. So one of the very first things they did was to send me a letter, a complaint. Uh, there was no complainer <laughs> that I could figure out, but um, prove to us that the Vaccine-Friendly Plan is as safe as the CDC schedule. <laughs> now, the CDC schedule... So this is the intriguing thing about this. Since the time I was in medical school 35 years ago, the Academy of Pediatrics and the CDC, and then eventually the last few years, it's just been the CDC, but those two entities would get together behind a closed door somewhere and come up with a new schedule for the year. And this was a, a rite of passage every year. Pediatricians would wait, anticipating the new, this is what we're going to do. And I always thought it was odd that with really no studies whatsoever comparing the old schedule to the new schedule, they just would add things. So they never remove, by the way, you don't take away a vaccine that's no longer necessary, you always just add. And so we've had this phenomenon of adding a vaccine or more than one almost every year since I was in medical school 35 years ago, uh, or at least there's some tweaking to the schedule. There's always some little adjustment without ever testing it. Certainly we know for a fact there has never been a single study looking at the CDC schedule comparing it to unvaccinated children. Right. Right. And they have that so, data. 
They they could oh. they could give us that study if they wanted to. If the CDC Absolutely. wanted that st- information out there, it would be out there. Mm-hmm. If it would help and, their argument. Yes, and any large health plan could gather that data. Mm. So you have big systems like Kaiser, or depending what part of the w- world you're living in, there's usually a large health system that has a huge data set. Hidden within that data set, well, not hidden, you just have to ask. I mean, we, we live in the computer age, right? You can just identify who does not have vaccines, match them to age-matched, socioeconomically matched, if you will, um, patients who are following the CDC schedule and look at all health outcomes. It's like a no-brainer. Well, this had never been done. So when the board comes threatening my license saying, prove that the vaccine-friendly plan is as safe as the CDC schedule, at first I just laughed and thought, this is ridiculous. But then I thought, actually, somebody gave me the idea. I wish I'd been brilliant enough to think of it myself. I don't even remember now who thought of it. But they said, well, why don't you just do a quality study within your practice and see? It's like, let's see. I thought, yeah, why not? So in medicine, and I've been part of quality assurance studies in hospital systems, several times. You just simply look and see if there's a signal that you should be paying attention to. So I hired an outside independent doctor who was actually a pediatrician, former neonatologist, informatics expert who had set up health systems in multiple countries around the world. And he comes in and uh, this was February of 2008. And he says, Paul, he's a real nerd nice guy, but real nerd. He doesn't want his name identified, which is fine. I don't blame him. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Don't be associated with me. Um, He says, I, you know, I, I will see what we see. I'm a data guy. I just go with the data. I said, great. I honestly, I suspected because I'm seeing what's going on in my practice and my unvaccinated kids just weren't sick. So I'm suspecting that's what he's going to find. But honestly, I didn't know. Sure. I mean, until you actually look at data, you can have all the theories you want. Sure. Right. I mean, we want real data. We want good science. And unfortunately, what's reported in the news is we're following the science, but not really. They're following the tobacco science, which (laughs) simply means, you know, we're going to design a study to show nothing. And then we're going to therefore say that vaccines are safe. Yeah. Like tobacco, you know, there's three of you there. One of you is not going to smoke. One of you is going to smoke a pack a day. One of you is going to smoke two packs a day. And in a week, we're going to see who dies. Oh, you all three lived tobacco safe. <laughs> right. Right. So right. this is what they've done with most of the vaccine studies. So anyway, he comes out after the first day of looking at my data and, and he just was, he's not supposed to be really paying attention to what he's seeing, but he said, like a kid in a candy store, he goes, Paul, this is incredible. The data just jumps out at you. And I mean, he's mm. so adamant. I said, what are you talking about? He says, your unvaccinated kids don't get sick. They just don't get sick. I'm going, really? Now, I kind of suspected. I'm going, oh, really? (laughs) But that data ended up being de-identified and shipped off to Jack Lyons Wheeler, who became the the researcher of that famous study that you're talking about. And it's this one right here for your viewers. Yep. Yep. Yeah, we'll definitely put uh, links and resources to that. It's it's just just looking at it, uh, just a cursory glance at it, just is shocking. It's like wow. It's just it's just dramatic. So so what we did with that study is after the data was de-identified, we age matched unvaccinated to vaccinated, and we just looked at all health outcomes. And you see in the uh, it's the orange line the the Mm -hmm. the vaccinate most vaccinated have just this massive increase in just about anything we looked at. And the blue line for the unvaxxed is fairly flat. They just don't get sick. So this 
is the piece of data that nobody gets. Uh, the medical system does not get it. The public is not getting it because nobody's sharing this fact that if you are vaccinated and you develop chronic conditions, no matter what they are, they might be related to being vaccinated. You don't know until you compare to unvaccinated. So I've had on my show that I started a show when I lost my license, I needed something to do. Mm -hmm. So th thank you, medical board for yeah. helping me start my show against the wind doctors and science under fire. Cause it's I wouldn't have done show. that if you, yeah, if you hadn't taken my license away, I wouldn't have done that. So we have the medical board of Oregon actually to thank for this study because this would, not have, this, would, this would not have been done had they not asked for me to prove. Now, the interesting thing was five days after this study became available online, they pulled my license. So apparently they didn't like the information they asked for. Mm -hmm. It's it's sort of weird. Mm -hmm. um, one could read between the lines and figure out what's going on perhaps, but um, I gave them what they asked for. They didn't like it. Uh, so anyway, I forget where I was going, but help me out with a question. Okay. There you go. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, you, you touched on so many different yep. things there, but uh, just uh, bring it back. So I, I want to, one thing I've always wanted to hear from a, a pediatric doctor, or just any doctor, how much training on vaccines do, do these doctors get before they're, before they're put out in, in the field? So how much training does a pediatrician get on vaccines? On vaccines. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> specifically on what's in a vaccine, almost zero. Like, I don't remember a class where we were taught you know, here's the DPT, here's the Hib sure. vaccine, here's the MMR. These are the ingredients. These are the, the pros and cons. These are the risks and benefits. No, zero. What we did get was during our basic science, those first two years in medical school, you learn about diseases. So in our pathology class, you would learn about measles, mumps, rubella, diphtheria, chicken pox, you know, anything, any disease, not just those for which we have vaccines. I mean, you learn about all diseases and conditions, medical conditions. And where there are vaccines that have been given the credit for reducing those conditions, that would obviously be mentioned and with a lot of you know, hype and excitement that, you know, wow, look what happened to smallpox or polio. Um, you know, for parents who uh, want to dig a little deeper and, and you three probably have looked at Suzanne Humphrey's book, um, uh, I'm drawing a blank right the second on the name of it. Uh, any of you yeah, remember the book you're talking about, but I can't think of it either. But I feel terrible. Hold up. We'll, we'll check it. We'll check it here. I'll okay. It it's a it's a book I, I've read carefully, and uh, she really uncovered and exposed the fact that most of the diseases, and many others have done this, by the way, but she just was a mainstream doctor who came out with this incredible uh, outline in, in her book of the fact that most diseases whether or not you had a vaccine for it or not, went away over the years that the, the diseases for which we have vaccines went away, right? So it was something other than the vaccines. In fact, most illnesses for which we have a vaccine are 90% gone before the vaccine is even introduced. Right. But we weren't taught that in medical school. Yep. In medical school, all the credit was given to the vaccines. So back to your question, uh, what was the book? Dissolving Illusions, Disease, that Vaccines, and the Forgotten History. Thank you. That was it exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing book. Um, it, I would have your listeners read that book, get that book. It's a phenomenal reference. Um, 
But at, back to the question of how much we were taught about vaccines in particular, nothing. Uh, now, when you get into residency, so this is your, you've finished medical school and now you're becoming a pediatrician. It's a three-year program. That's when you learn what to do, not what's in the vaccines, sure. not the pros and cons. We're so busy in residency, it's all about learning what to do. It's, it's a very strange thing in our medical system. The first two years are amazing in the sense that you're actually learning science. Sure. You know, histology, pathology, microbiology, biochemistry, how the cell works, how, I mean, uh, endocrinology, your hormones, everything. Then you go the last two years and you're on, ro rotating in the hospitals, seeing sick patients, and it flips instantly into uh, what diagnosis does this patient have and what drug do you use? Yeah. So, so you almost like just sort of throw away those two years and now you've got to start a whole new program of name that tune and what drug do I use? You know, name that disease or that condition or that symptom. Uh, basically, if you learn Latin, you're set because all the Latin and Greek root words make up every medical diagnosis. And then you can just look in a book at what they want you to do. Right. I mean, if, if it's itis, it means inflammation, appendicitis, your appendix is inflamed. Oh, look up appendicitis. Ah, you have surgery. That's what you do. Uh, so medicine is, is, um, I make it too simple there, but the truth of the matter is we are very trained to diagnose and treat yeah. and, yeah. and it's lucrative. I mean, when I was in the trenches before I really woke up to what was going on, I could see 40, 50, sometimes almost 60 patients a day. Now, these were kids with ear infections and strep throat and urinary tract infections and pneumonia and cough and fever and you name, I had symptoms and I had labels. And for most of those conditions, I had a prescription pad and I would give a parent a prescription, hand it to them and they would walk out happy because this doctor figured out what was going on, right? And I figured out what symptom I was going to treat, and I had a solution for your symptom. But to this day, what most doctors are missing is wellness. Yes. What yes. keeps us healthy? What keeps us well? And what prevents you from someday developing heart disease, cancer, chronic conditions that are epidemic today? Well, what does that, and I write about it in my book, is number one, avoiding toxins. And aluminum that's injected is a biggie. Yep. Number two, get your nutrients. But number three, and the big one that's only coming into people's awareness, if they're willing to open their minds, is what we discovered in my study. This study that compares vaccinated to completely unvaccinated. And oh my goodness, vaccines were a part of the problem. Now, I'm not saying they're the only part of the problem, but they are a big part of the problem. Have you all seen the control group data? Uh, I don't think so. Okay, just came just came out this year. It was a group of attorneys who actually did a survey, and they called it the control group. You can go to thecontrolgroup.org. Is that the one you presented at the um, at the vigil in in Oregon? In Salem. Yes. In Salem? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. I have I am familiar with it. Yes. Yeah. So it it is it is a study of forty eight states. They tried to get all fifty states, but a couple states they didn't get any takers for their survey, and they looked at all health outcomes comparing vaccinated to unvaccinated. Hmm. And they were able to come up with data that is so powerful, again, showing in a study of that nature, the significant association 
and it's so significant. They're, they're, the lawyers who, who were presenting this data on my show were saying uh, it's clearly cause and effect, yeah. right? So they found that almost every chronic disease, whether it's heart disease, cancer, diabetes, you name it, it's basically only seen in the vaccinated people. Unvaccinated people are not getting chronic disease. Wouldn't that be amazing? You could just wipe out chronic disease problems by not vaccinating. Wait a minute, Dr. Paul, are you saying we shouldn't vaccinate? You want to go back to the dark ages? No, I'm actually not saying that. I'm merely saying this is what the data looks like. Okay, but it's only a small study, your little study that, oh, by the way, was just retracted. Did you guys get the notice of that? Yeah, I saw that. That's Yeah, that's just crazy. this last week. So, uh a one person, as far as we can tell, complained to the journal and the journal, just based on one complaint, that, that article has been downloaded a hundred thousand mm-hmm. plus times, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's way more than that. But based on one complaint, the editor and one other person, the unidentified, decided that our methodology was not um, acceptable. That wasn't the exact word they used. We did use a, we did it the traditional way, which is just yes, no. You had autism or you had ADD or you had asthma or you had this or that, yes or no, and look at that data. We presented that in our article, but we also did something unique. We looked at every visit that patient had so that you could get a sense of severity. Let me explain. If your child has asthma and they come see me or my team at my office 10 times in a year, their asthma is way more severe than the child who only comes once a year. Make sense? Mm-hmm. So, so what we were able to determine with that methodology was severity, plain and simple. And they didn't like that because nobody's ever done that. Yeah. And we, we presented a strong case for why actually everyone should be doing that. I mean, they can still do the old way of yes or no, you had a condition, but they should be doing this look at all visits so you get a sense of severity of conditions sure and they rejected it based on that which was just i don't know what to tell you except there's got to be either money or politics involved in that one because it just doesn't make any sense otherwise uh but that's the world we live in it's damning information for them it's totally damning for them to have it mass amounts of parents having this information or mass amounts of citizens having this information and questioning it is damning to their agenda and to exactly the politics and the and the financials the profits yeah absolutely absolutely yeah well uh, the profit side of things is interesting so i also published an article this past year on the profits in a pediatric practice uh and what happens if you honor informed consent so i've seen over the last when i started my practice in 2008 other than the first year where we were building, I, I took about a thousand patients followed me from my old practice and we built to 15,000 patients within a few years. I mean, we just exploded. People want wellness. People want choice. People want to be given informed consent. And when you go to a doctor and, and the pediatricians today are basically saying you follow the CDC schedule or there's the door. I mean, you know, most people are, are succumbing to that. I mean, they're actually cowering and staying and, and, and being forced to follow the CDC schedule, even though I just hear over and over again, my gut told me it wasn't the right thing to do. And then only after the child is damaged, do they come to my practice because they've got a subsequent child now 
and they don't want the same thing to happen to their next child. I have hundreds of families in my practice where that's the story. And I'll tell you, when you sit there in a new patient visit and you hear for the first time a parent, or usually it's a couple, uh, pour their heart out about what happened. They had this bright, happy, healthy, eyes, lights are on kid at age one. And it's almost always sometime after age one, the, the, the vaccines and they lost their kid right? Not to death, but to severe autism or, you know, severe developmental delays, or they just stalled out. They're, they're, it's tragic. And, and, and some of the cases are so severe. I mean, they, they truly lost their kid. When you've got a kid who's nonverbal with no eye contact with chronic diarrhea, and they're spreading poop on the wall, even in their teens. I mean, this is not a pretty picture. This is not something that you would wish on anyone. And then they come to share their information and they're treated as if they're they're, they're the problem, right? So, so, so you alienate the actual victim and you victimize them further. And this is what's going on. It, it, it's tragic. They're the heroes who, who took one for the team. But now folks, we've got to honor them by listening to what's actually going on. And so that's my call to you, the listeners. I, I'm not this radical that they're painting out to be. I mean, I'm a family man with nine kids and I am not doing what I'm doing to make money. I would be a multimillionaire if I was vaccinating. As my paper showed, I lose over a million dollars a year by honoring informed consent. In my practice right now, we build out prior to all this going on in my life, we were building out just over 3 million a year. We had 10 practitioners. We're down to three and a half practitioners. We're building out less than 2 million a year. And it's now a struggle to keep the doors open because we're not getting those vaccine profits. And I saw this coming over the last few years, which was what prompted me to do this financial study mm -hmm. to show that there are real incentives to vaccinate. It is a huge moneymaker for pediatricians. How does that work, uh, the, the money-making part to you guys, like that the pharmaceutical company contracts at every vaccine that you guys administer? Like how specifically does that work? Yeah, so there's two sources of income from giving vaccines. One is the markup, and generally that's very small, and that's the one pediatricians are aware of. Because I remember, I remember arguing with a patient once. They're saying, "Well, this is just you guys are just vaccinating for profit." I'm going, "No, we hardly make any money on vaccines," is what I was taught to say, mm. and what I actually thought. So my peers, they're not evil people. Pediatricians are some of the nicest people on earth, but they just aren't aware of this other profit center, right? So if I buy a, a, any product for $10 and I sell it for $11, I made a buck. And that's the kind of range of profit from the markup of vaccines. But what they don't know most of the time is this thing called the admin fee, administration fee. So for every antigen in a vaccine, you are compensated by the insurance company a certain dollar amount for administering that vaccine. Now that's supposed to cover the time you spend educating the patients about the pros and cons, which they don't really do, <laughs> but you're, it's, there's money for you there. Uh, and it's supposed to compensate you for the time it takes the nurse to draw up the vaccine and give the vaccine and the advice nurse, maybe talking to the parents who have side effects from the vaccines. <laughs> I don't know. They really want to acknowledge that, but um, the admin fees amount to over a thousand dollars per baby in their first year of life. So for every baby in my practice, and I still get over 30 babies a month, at one point I was up to 45 babies a month, then you're getting $45,000, right? 
times 12 months. I mean, it's a lot of money. So it turns out to be, and that's just for the first year. There's vaccines that you give all through life. Wow. And those admin fees continue. So I think those administration fees have become inflated over the last decade. Mm -hmm. and, and maybe it just kind of was lost to people and to the pediatricians that that's what was happening. Office managers knew, oh boy, do they know you need to push vaccines because it's a big profit center. That's amazing. Um, so uh, part of the initial initiation of this was uh, Dr. James Lyons Wheeler reached out to us, uh, you know, just saying like, hey, we need to we need folks to bring, you know, rally the troops, get Dr. Paul Thomas on, um, talk about the, the the legal legal fund we got going on. I definitely want to get into all that. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. So maybe we'll just jump right into that. So so your, your license has been reinstated under con certain conditions, right? But you're still <laughs> yeah. you're still in a legal battle right now. Is that is that my understanding? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I have not had my day in court yet. Okay. In fact, the date has been set for January 8th, I believe, 8th or 10th. Okay. We have about a 10-day trial. I mean, imagine this. It's going to take 10 days uh, to hear both sides. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Anyway, mm -hmm. so over a year after they emergently suspended my license illegally, by the way, which is why I have it back, my mm -hmm. attorney was able to go to a judge and point out that, wait a minute, you took this guy's license without any filing any charges. That's illegal. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can't just do that in America, or apparently you're not supposed to. Not supposed mm -hmm. to, right? Yeah. Uh, well, in Oregon, it's, it's I, mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's questionable whether we're still in America here in Oregon. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, so that's what happened. Uh, I'm sorry. What was your question? I lost. Okay, it. I was just hoping you could give us a little, just just kind of give us some information about, uh, you know. How, maybe the process leading up to the reinstatement, conditional reinstatement, what those conditions are, and perhaps, you know, what uh, the legal battle looks like and how we can gotcha. support it really, you know? Okay, sure. Yeah, so my attorney, when he became aware of the fact that they probably had made a, a, a tactical legal mistake, an actual mistake, says, you know, I think you can get your license back. Because prior to that, he had said, there's no point in suing the board. There's no point in going after them. They are all powerful and actually accountable to no one. Okay. Mm. People don't realize the board is appointed, at least the, the leadership of the board is appointed by the governor. And oh. so if they're, if they're, oh. yeah, she's not if they're a friend accountable, of the show. Yeah. Well, she, she's not a friend of anybody. Vaccine, I don't humanity. think in humanity. She's yeah. Friend, yeah. She's not a friend of vaccine information, at least yeah. not the, not all the information. Yeah. I mean, they, the Oregon health authority and our governor, appear to be working from some script, if you would, mm -hmm. that is simply pro-vaccine. I mean, yes. it's, it's just uh, that it's interesting. I've watched this happen over my career and it's now become more important that we save the program of vaccination than it is the health of the population. Mm. So public health was once, uh, at least in their mission statement, to be about better public health. Mm -hmm. But hasn't but, it all been about that ever since 1986? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, 1986, the whole, what happened there was based on that principle, save the vaccine schedule, the, the, the vaccine program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You you're know? referring to the Childhood Immunization Act of 1986, Ronald Reagan signed into law where the insurance companies were aware. So I graduated from my residency training program in 1987. Okay. So, so I, right around that time, and I actually wasn't even aware that had been signed. So I'm in training and I don't even learn about that. Right. I learned about that way later. 
But what happened was we were seeing the DPT in particular, diphtheria, tetanus, pertussis back then, it was a whole cell vaccine. It was so dangerous. I mean, almost every kid had crazy high fevers. There were plenty of deaths and the lawsuits were starting to pour in and the insurance company, the, the pharmaceutical companies go, we're gonna go out of business unless we get protection. They, they petitioned the government saying, you know, give us protection or we're getting out. And of course, if they got out, there's no vaccines. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, it'll be the end of the world, right? Mm-hmm. Because vaccines are safe and effective and they've saved us that the whole narrative, right? Mm-hmm. And you're absolutely right. It, it shifted from then on to it's more important to save the program than it is to really look at health outcomes. And to this day, this is the biggest mistake that's being made in medicine across all disciplines. It's not just vaccines, it's products, it's sales, Mm -hmm. it's pharmaceutical products and profits. So we want to see how well you are doing at getting cholesterol lowering meds into your population. Uh, never mind that those who are on those meds are actually not doing as well as those who, you know what I mean? It's <laughs> right. on the meds. You, yeah. So, so again, don't look at real health outcomes. Just look at uptake of the product yep. and quality measures. Doctors are held to quality measure standards. And it's this standard of care thing that the medical boards enforce. And, mm-hmm. and it's sort of strange because if you think about it, there would be zero innovation if we always just did the same thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So when you have new information, it is so important that you adapt and adjust and then study. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with with my world of pediatric health and looking at the vaccine program and saying, wait a minute, we got a problem. um, We should be pivoting. My my study should have been a wake up call for pediatricians across the country, across the world Mm. that that we might have a problem. Let's get more data. And instead, it's like, no, let's get this retracted and don't look at it. You, you've heard the term, the science has been settled. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's our tongue-in-cheek uh, quote that we use all the time. Yeah. What? Uh, so what? So why aren't there other pediatricians stepping up? Or ha- Before, for the love of money. For the love of money is the root okay, of okay. all evil. Yeah. Let me, let me uh, it's a rhetorical <laughs> question, of course. I think, I think you know, to, to phrase this question, yeah. I, I've thought often, you know, I mean, before I had my first kid, uh, I read uh, Dr. Sears' book, right? And we did his delayed schedule. And, and I ended up as one of those parents that you spoke about watching, looking into my son's eyes and not he glazed over eyes and just couldn't make connect. But even in that, his mother went on this journey way before I did and just started going down the rabbit hole and like looking, connecting with other mothers uh, in social media groups and just finding people like you and other doctors who who've actually stood up against this. But um, for me, it took longer for me. I was indoctrinated. It was hard for me to admit that the vaccine could have caused what I was seeing with my own eyes to my, my own son. Right. And yeah. granted, we went on a healing journey and we've, we've uh, healed him almost completely. I would say, you know, um, and that's the thing I would tell to a lot of parents too, is you can heal these kids. Right. Especially if you stop vaccinating. Right. Yeah, you but, have that, that is key. You have to stop the onslaught against the immune yes. system. Yes. Because I think so often it's actually too many, too fast that just triggers autoimmunity. Yeah. And when your own immune system starts attacking your brain, yeah. uh, autoimmunity is really hard to, to tone down. Right. It's a real tough condition, no matter what, whether you're talking about lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or celiac disease or Crohn's and, you know, you, there's so many, right. And, and more and more coming all the time. 
so yeah, it's it. You're absolutely right. I'm glad you're. Is it your son who's doing better? Yeah, and, yeah. You know, and we we tried several different things, and um, you know, I mean, a lot of it comes to stuff you talk about in your book. You know, diet's huge. Um, yeah. and we tried. You know, we've done some homeopathy. We've done some uh, hyperbaric. some hyperbaric oxygen therapy. We've tried all kinds of different stuff. You know, but um, but uh, he's doing a lot better. But the, the biggest piece was just stop vaccinating, right? Stop yeah. and let him yeah. let him heal. Yeah. But I guess my my question though is. Um, and it, probably what they're alluding to, too, is just that, you know, seeing in myself how hard it was to just admit how indoctrinated I was, you know, and just but as a doctor, you guys are seeing this all the time. Right. And and like, why aren't there more doctors that are stepping out? And why is the indoctrination so thick? And I guess, that's you know, I I don't know. I can if explain it direct. Yeah, I can explain it. So yeah. I asked the same question because. Clearly, come on, guys, wake up. But it's not that easy. Here's why. I am unusually busy. All right. When I told you I would get 30 newborns a month, that's been for the last two decades. That's way more than most pediatricians will get. So if you're only seeing two, four, five newborns a month, you're seeing 24 to 70 newborns a year, you might see a case of autism, at least the severe kind once every five to 10 years. And you're just not gonna make the connection that there's an issue here. And nobody's ever considered that chronic disease is related to vaccines. I mean, it doesn't even hit your radar. So you're not gonna make that connection. Even if you have a practice full of sick kids, it's never gonna occur to you that it might be related to vaccines because you've been taught since day one. Actually, you guys are young enough. You were probably taught in grade school, the wonders of vaccines and how safe and effective they are. Um, you know, I mean, they start early, yeah. right? Yeah, oh, but yeah. for pediatricians who aren't seeing case after case after case, you're not going to make the connection. To make it more difficult now is if you have families who claim there's a problem with vaccines, you kick them out of your practice. Yeah, I've been let so, go for <clears throat> sure. Yeah. So you're not going to be around the families who can tell you what really happened. Now, I'm on the receiving end of all those families. So my staff and I have heard these stories hundreds. I'm not joking. It's not like a, oh, he says hundreds. No, literally hundreds. I have probably over 500 kids on the spectrum. I have over a thousand kids with ADD or ADHD who I consider is just mild spectrum actually. Sure. You know, you're just a little inattentive or if you're severely autistic, there's nobody home at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so when you hear that story, Oh, shame on me for this one. Listen, 2004, I get my first autistic kid in my own practice. So one of my patients who ends up severely autistic, I'm thinking it's a pure coincidence. What is this? I've never heard of this. I mean, I'd heard of it, but I've never seen it, right? 2005, it happens again. Oh my gosh, must be a coincidence. 2006, again, I really should have woke up by then. It took me a fourth time for me to just say, snap, that's it. I can't do this anymore. I got it, right? Shame on me, right? And I've apologized to that family. They know they're good friends of mine now. I talk, I email that mom daily. Uh, she knows who I am. She doesn't blame me. She she didn't know. I didn't know. We don't know what we don't we don't know what yeah, we don't know, right? That's true. Yeah. But I'm only in this position of having the data that I have because I've accepted these families who have vaccine injured kids to come into a safe place so that their subsequent children are not also vaccine injured. Yes. yes. I mean, as a parent, you have one child and 
we have this, okay, I'm going to use the word cause and effect, but, but I'll be challenged on that. Well, it's a coincidence. Well, I now know it's not a coincidence because I've heard the same story hundreds of times, but for most people, they haven't heard it. They've only heard it once or twice. It's mm -hmm. a coincidence. As a parent, if you take a dose of amoxicillin or penicillin for a strep throat or an ear infection and your kid gets hives within hours or the next day or even the next week, you go to your doctor, you call your doctor, hey, I, you know, we're on penicillin, we've got these, this horrible rash. They don't say, well, it's a coincidence. They say, stop the antibiotic. Yeah. That's an allergic reaction. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cause and effect. We couldn't say that in the beginning because this was such a new thing. But it's not anymore. We've got my data. We've got the Mawson data. We've got the control group data. And this is even more important, I think, or as important as the data, is we now understand the mechanisms. We can explain how this happens. It's a process called immune activation. It's also a process called direct toxicity. If you take a massive dose of a toxin, you can have symptoms right away. But if you take a small dose of a toxin over time, you can also develop symptoms. <clears throat> so we vaccinate slowly over time, little dose, little dose, little dose of toxins until you finally push a kid over the edge, yeah. either with toxins or with immune activation. The immune system finally gets confused and starts attacking self, that's autoimmunity. So we understand the mechanisms of why this is happening, how vaccines are doing this, and we have the cause and effect in time. And we have statistical significance of the data with my data and with the control group data that everybody should be looking at vaccines and comparing unvaxxed to vaccinated for every condition there is on earth. Yes. I mean, like I've said at the beginning, that's not the only thing. Toxins are a big piece of the puzzle. Immune activation is the big piece of the puzzle. There are other things that different scientists are working on. <clears throat> Acetaminophen is a bad actor. William Parker at Duke is all over that. Hmm. It's, it magnifies all toxins. Wow. Um, oh. Stephanie Seneff has written all about glyphosate. It's a huge problem, right? So uh, Woody Monty was a food scientist at Arizona State. He's convinced it's aspartame. Aspartame is a mm. big problem. It's yeah. just been swept under the carpet. Yeah. So, so you have different experts who have their area of expertise and it all plays into the fact that we have chronic health problems in our country and in our lives, but it doesn't have to be that way, folks. The beauty of what I'm sharing with you is that it's actually empowering, mm -hmm. right? So, Knowledge in this case is absolutely power, yes. but it's not going to help you one bit if you go, ah, yeah, that sounds a little far out. Uh, I, I don't know if I believe that. Okay, I can't help you if you can't hear what I'm trying to tell you. Ah, that's just been such a frustration over this last year. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, is there any recourse for a retracted study? So, is there any way to then dispute that, appeal that, and have that either reinstated, or do you see a potential for maybe coming up with a different study, taking a different approach to get that information yeah. out in a different way? Yeah, that's a good point. So, we did challenge the journal, and they went ahead and retracted it anyway. So we went down that path We're we're going to, we, we have filed legal action mm. or at least we threatened it. Um, and who knows, but generally once a, an article is retracted like that, you know, again, they're also not accountable really. Mm. Um, you know, they're, they're gonna, they're gonna hang on to their technicality that we had a new approach that hasn't been tried and tested and what have you. Uh, mm. I don't know that, 
it's the kind of thing you can win in court. I don't know. Mm. I mean, that's a that's a legal question. The data will come out. Uh, I mean, we will get it in some form or another. Jack Lyons, we was going to do all that. Nice. I, I am not allowed to do research anymore because of my <laughs> board <laughs> stipulations. Uh, although this wouldn't really be research. It's just uh, having the data that exists mm-hmm. that was IRB approved. It's been approved to be looked at. It's retrospective. It's not experimenting on patients. Uh, it's just data. So mm-hmm. yes, we'll, we'll find a way to make sure that data lives on. And uh, actually, if if you're aware of the amount of censorship that's going on out there, folks, <laughs> uh, just, a just a little bit. Oh, yes. Yeah, if, if you're aware of it, being having a study retracted is actually a big reason you should go read that study. Yeah, uh, exactly. I mean, they are, especially if it's a study on a controversial issue that is challenging mainstream thoughts, mm-hmm. because there's just so much money involved in, in the profits from vaccines. This is a multi-billion if not now with covid trillion dollar industry it's 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 so much money yeah our viewers will not be able to find this interview on youtube youtube yeah we're we're on a we're on a two-week ban currently again 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 we're one strike away from losing the channel but good thing is is that this information we're we're on multiple platforms where we're 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 speaking to the right people so speaking to the right people like let's say uh dr thomas if there were any pediatricians or doctors out there listening right now is there something that you would wish to tell them specifically well, um, my new show, which you can find that at doctorsandscience.com. Uh, this is a labor of love. I have no sponsors. So, uh, you know, membership is a cup of coffee, basically. I think it's $4.95 to, to a month to support the show. Just go to doctorsandscience.com. Uh, my legal battles, my attorney has told me just to get through the trial will be well over $100,000. Mm. So I set up a fund for that. That's FTC dot dp approved.com and that's money that's just going to go to the legal fund i uh, won't be used for anything else uh, if this thing will drag out so i've i've interviewed and talked to physicians who've been fighting board issues uh, this one fellow for a decade and they kept him just going and he you know he borrowed from all his family members cashed in his entire re- retirement fund sold his home i mean he's destitute and, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, give it up, <laughs> you know, but it, on principle, he, he was being falsely accused and he felt like it was his right to try to get justice. Um, it's really hard to come by in this particular arena. And yeah. so those of you who are willing to help this cause, I think my case is somewhat unique in that their charges are so ridiculous. I mean, here I'm, I'm a one of the top pediatricians, I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm a good doctor. Yeah. I've never been successfully sued for a health thing ever, yeah. right? So I've had no lawsuits against me that were successful. I had a couple attempts, they failed. Um, and I supervise a lot of nurse practitioners. So, I mean, I'm involved in the care of 15, 20,000 people for over a decade in this practice. And then previously in, in another practice and I taught residents and medical yeah. students I'm not just this hilly billy guy who's out on, out on a limb. I'm very mainstream, except for this issue of vaccines. I woke up to the fact that folks, we've got a problem. Mm-hmm. And as I expose the truth, that's not acceptable to the powers that be yeah. that have a lot to lose, right? Yes. I mean, if we upset this apple cart, we have a lot to lose. So I do need your support, ftc.dpapproved.com for uh, the legal fund. It, with, when that money runs out, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to retire, fold up my shop and just go into strict teaching, which it's okay. 
I mean, teaching is a worthy uh, cause and I'm pretty good at it anyway. I love teaching back in the past. I just got into the trenches to support my nine kids and get through that phase of my life. Thankfully, my youngest has just graduated from college and I'm free to now serve the people. So uh, help me out. Let me serve you and um, pay attention to this issue. Uh, with COVID coming into our world the way it has, uh, it's absolutely blindsided everyone in a way that has people, let me put it this way, you're either living in fear or you're living in faith. Mm. Yes. And if you yes. are in fear, you are under the spell of those that wish to control you. Yes. 100%. It was hard not to be fearful at first because we didn't know what we were dealing with, right? You've got images on television from Italy of just this massive numbers of people dying and, and it felt like the world was coming apart. We have the data now. Yep. We now know what's really going on. And particularly for young folks like the three of you sitting there and anybody younger than you guys are, kids, you have zero to worry about. Absolutely nothing to worry about. This is a common cold virus. As long as your vitamin D levels are adequate, you'll be fine. You don't need a mask. You don't need a vaccine. You'll be fine. And I'm not allowed to talk about vaccines as far as if I were your doctor, but this is just an informational platform. Absolutely. So yeah, so do your research. Uh, go to Children's Health Defense, go to uh, my show Against the Wind, which you can get at doctorsandscience.com, uh, Dell Bigtree's Highwire, uh, Sherry Tenpenny's course on vaccines. There you go. You got the Highwire shirt representing. They better send you a bonus. <laughs> or hey, if you put in a good word, we can Dell on the show. How about that? There, <laughs> there you go. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of people doing great work. Yeah. And they're, it, it is not being covered in the press right. at all, yeah. at all. Yeah. So we have this situation where our press is completely captured. Mm, 100%. I grew up a missionary kid, an incredibly liberal family. I was a liberal Democrat my whole life. And then this happened. <laughs> and, and I yeah. see the, the, the people I thought were fighting for the little guy sold out to pharma yep. yeah it's like, it's like what happened mind blowing yeah, yeah mind what blowing. happened the media is gone uh the liberals are gone yeah. and and i don't want to get political because i'm not a fan of either party uh they're all sold out to different yep. interests yes uh but you know folks if if you have kids i'm a pediatrician think for yourself yeah. um you know follow your heart follow follow what really resonates deep inside you know, close your eyes, breathe in love, breathe in God, breathe in something other than what you're hearing in the news. Actually, turn off the news. Go yes. take a walk in the forest or at the ocean. Um, it's interesting. I've done this a lot lately. I don't watch the news. I don't have a TV anymore. Um, and it, the world is so much better without it, mm -hmm. right? And, but if you go into a forest, or I was, I did take a vacation in Maui and I'm swimming in the ocean, the animals and the fish are just fine. <laughs> and I was talking to them, you know, in my own way, I don't really talk to animals, but um, I got this sense from them, let's put it that way, that none of them had gone and lined up for any vaccines. I was pretty sure of it. Um, and they're fine. It, it's just mind blowing. So um, I think the problem is maybe just the TV and the media yeah. uh, and, and, and fear, right? Because that takes you to fear. 
And when you're operating from fear, you're no longer living your true life and what you're, you're not, you're not living your purpose, right? So we can think positive and become positive. So uh, I just urge you to do that. And if you want to follow the science, please find the real science, not the tobacco science. Yeah. The paid science, the paid for science. Science with a dollar sign in the front, right? right. That's it. I, I was, uh, I was visiting a professor at Duke university a couple years ago, I was trying to learn, uh, he, he was on to something that I thought would be really important to recovering kids on the spectrum. Uh, it was actually helmet therapy. And I thought, I want to learn how to do this. I'm going to create a helmet farm in Oregon. And I took one of my kids and we're, but I was really, really amazed when he walked me around the campus at Duke University and he showed me building after building skyscrapers. I mean, these are brand spanking new buildings. He says, oh, that's the new ophthalmology center. Mm. And that's the new surgical center. And this is the new neurological center. And he said, Paul, they've poured so much pharmaceutical money into this campus. It is not sustainable. He says, this has to collapse. There is no way there's enough money on earth to support this kind of monstrosity of, I mean, every building is filled with scientists, you know, doctors and PhDs and researchers, all taking pharma money. Where's, how do they get that money? They get it on our backs and they get it because we're not healthy. Yeah. Cause guess what? When you're healthy, how much money are they making off of you? Zero. Right. Yep. Yeah. Zero. Yeah. So parents, as I, again, I say, I'm a pediatrician, take charge of your kids, go back to natural living as natural as you possibly can and don't play their game. Yes. Yeah, man. Okay. I, got, I got one final question for you. Okay. That was amazing. Yeah. And I will 100% agree. But uh, something you talked about at the vigil that I thought was really how do we get through to those people that especially with COVID, you know, I mean, my parents are vaccinated. Um, I have a lot of people close to me vaccinated. And as you put it, you know, we're losing the battle in in getting this information to the people before they're making that decision. How do we get yeah. through to people? That's the hardest question of all. And I, I wrestle with it every single day. I, I've pivoted, as you've heard at the vigil and on my show, I'm trying to pivot towards, uh, I think the key is meeting people where they're at. Um, when I used to kind of, and I still get, I still go there because I'm so passionate about this information. I've been doing it with you guys. I'm like, ah, there, yeah. I'm doing it again. <laughs> no, it's great. Cause I, I just care so much and I don't know how else to say it, but with passion, but if that, like if you're listening and I've put you off because of that, I apologize because I really want to meet you where you're at. And my thought is you're in a place where you're fearful. You may not even admit it or know it or, or certainly, yeah, it's not a place any of us wants anybody else to tell us we're fearful. But from the information you're working with, the most logical thing seems to be get the vaccine. I mean, you know, it seems they're saying it's pretty safe or it's very safe and it might help. So why wouldn't I want to be a part of that? And I was having this discussion with a really dear friend recently, and I was trying to get them to understand that, yes, I want to meet people where they're at, but what if where they're at is in the middle of a herd of sheep that's headed full speed (laughs) towards a cliff. Okay. And I see the cliff. I do. I see the cliff. Okay. I see the massive amount of health problems that are coming when you overactivate the immune system. I'm living in this world of a vaccinated world and watching what happens. And I'm just trying to say, please 
take a take a breather, just give it more time, right? So especially for children, I mean, we've already lost close to 70% of the adult population. They've already decided to get the vaccine and we'll just hope for the best. Many of them will be fine. So I don't want you to panic if you've already done that. My parents have gotten it. My Most of my siblings have gotten it. But if you get into trouble, we can help you, right? This is important to know. The mainstream folks probably won't because they don't read the same things we're reading. So those of us who are vaccine risk aware are also aware of the natural treatments and the pharmaceuticals that can help. So uh, we share these on my show. Uh, There's a whole bunch of things you can use for those who've been injured by the vaccine, as well as those who get COVID. And by the way, the current narrative that's out there, the latest, I mean, there's always something new, right? There's, there's the variant narrative. Oh my gosh, the variants are coming. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Well, they're going to keep that one. They're going to milk that for decades. Oh yeah. Um, Boosters. Boosters. That's it. Exactly. So they can have boosters. But the other narrative is that it's these unvaxxed people who are getting sick. That's so, oh God, I'm so glad you brought this up. This has been on my mind so much. Like I need to figure out like how to argue against that. They're saying literally 99% of all the cases, all the deaths are unvaccinated people. Right. So there's a reason for that. Yes. They stopped counting deaths in vaccinated people. Yep. Yep. So they, they had a directive. We're not going to look at deaths in vaccinated people and a COVID. We're not, we're not going to test because they're vaccinated. So we know they're okay. And, and so it's just, it's just a methodology reason that you're seeing all the deaths and problems in unvaccinated because those people we test. Well, if you go to other countries and I, I, I read some of this literature, Israel, for example, just yes. published yes. the unvaccinated have lower rates Mm. than the vaccinated the vaccine actually puts you at greater risk but that's because they're looking and comparing apples to apples okay so so folks uh it's really become difficult to trust the media it's become difficult to trust the cdc yes uh you certainly know you can't trust pharmaceutical companies come on they have a profit incentive Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, so does the CDC. Damn, so yeah. who, they've all been busted for felonies yeah. at this point. Anyway, you know, so, 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 you know, when it comes down to who do you trust? Oh my gosh. I don't want to say trust me. I mean, who am I? You know, I'm just a little pediatrician in Portland, Oregon. That's been discredited and written, written up by the Lamet week. And I guess I'm hitting all sorts of magazines these days, uh, which by the way, is a total uh, misrepresentation of what oh, happened. Yeah. Uh, they, they're trying to blame me for this case of tetanus in a kid who that. had, who had tetanus for three months before I even met him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he was, he was hospitalized for three months at OHSU. And then before he could be released, he had to identify a pediatrician. Nobody would take him because he wasn't vaccinated. Hmm. And so they called my office and begged. And I said, sure, I'll take care of you. I mean, I take care of whoever, Right. And so I met him once and I've since met him one other time. And, but because of that, it's my fault that he got tetanus. (laughs) It's just laughable. It's just, but that's the narrative and the way they write it up in all the journals. It makes me sound like I must be a pretty stupid doctor. Yeah. 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 So anyway, I digress there. I'm sorry, but back to your question of how to talk to family. It is so important. Just tell them you love them. Tell them you've got some information that kind of is, opposite to what they're hearing and you'd love to share it but you know it's kind of hard to swallow if if they're not really interested so if they ever become interested you're there right and and if you ever get sick you're there you've got access to some information that's really not available through typical doctor relations and i think 
unfortunately, a large number of our loved ones will get sick this coming winter. Uh, and they'll hopefully then turn to you, which it happened to me already. I have a brother and his son who has only one kidney and that's a donated kidney. So very high risk. They both got COVID and the son was hospitalized. I got them both through it with some of the alternative things we do to support the immune system very quickly. So even the, the, the one who was in the hospital and my brother who was high risk for a number of reasons, uh, they both turned around quite quickly. I mean, thankfully, this is very treatable. And so you don't need to be in fear, I guess, is the biggest thing. And, and all we can say for our loved ones, hey, you know, I'm here for you. You know, I'm, I'm taking a different approach on this. And, and I know there's risk both ways. I think you've got to validate them. Mm. I mean, there is risk in not vaccinating and there is risk in vaccinating. We happen to believe, it seems, talking with you three, that we believe the risk of vaccinating is way up here. And the risk of not vaccinating is way down here, but Mm -hmm. they, our loved ones, feel the other way, right? Not vaccinating is super risky. We we just have to let acknowledge that with that belief system, I can see why you did what you did. But if you ever get in trouble, don't please don't not call me, right? Right. Uh, But I think the big push, the reason I keep talking about COVID on my show, is that we have children so far other than the teens they're starting to target, uh, children are so far protected, uh, that window is going to close and they're going to start massively vaccinating children, which is tragic. They don't need the vaccine. Natural immunity is way better for this illness. We need to send kids to school with no masks, no social distancing, and they will become the actual herd immunity that's going to protect the elders who are at risk. Yes, absolutely. Wow, guys, anything else? Uh, I just thank yeah. you so much, yeah. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. Like what I'll personally be doing is I'll be sending this interview to a lot of people. A lot I know, of people. I was just thinking people. that as well. It's, yeah, it's, it's very totally. powerful, you know. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I just want to. I guess you know. So we got ftc.dpapproved.com. That's the medical fund. I want to encourage all our listeners to go out call and, to uh, and support. A call to action. True Zilla Mind Militia. Call to action. Hundred yeah. um, percent. Also, yeah. I know you have some other websites. Can you tell us about your other websites and and yeah. briefly plug any books or anything you'd like to as well? Just send them to uh, doctorsandscience.com. Okay, okay. Perfect. Uh, perfect. That gets you to the show. And then from that homepage, you can get to some of the other things I'm doing. Okay, okay. awesome. All right, yeah. you guys. Well, this has Thank been you so much a for real pleasure. Thank you, Dr. Thomas. Yeah. Thank Take you care. so much for your time. Really, really appreciate right. it. Yes, very powerful. Yeah. Appreciate right. what you guys are doing. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. you. Bye-bye. All right, Bye. bye-bye. Oh, my God, Ooh. you guys. I have seen Damn. him speak several times, but I have to say, and I'm a little biased, yes, but that <laughs> that was my favorite interview. Ricky's was pretty good, too. Yeah. Oh, it was Shout good. out to Ricky. Ricky Brandis, yeah, River Effect sure, Podcast. For sure. He had such a, a light in his eyes and in his spirit, and just to hear his testimony and his passion for all of this is, is so encouraging. Mm-hmm. And I felt similar to after we've talked to even, you know, Dr. Uh, James Lyons-Weiler yep, yep. and Dr. Judy Mikovit. You know, I, uh, oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and even Nancy, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, but just, it's that same whole feeling. And I think that we're finding more and more that, you know, and we say this every time, but it's just like this whole community of people who are riding the same energy and the same wavelength. And it's so encouraging. And especially to hear yet another person talk about, and we've talked about this, just coming at people in love. And that's been a big shift Mm -hmm. in my own personal energy where I've had to, take these you know steps back you know like when i was younger i remember saying count backwards from 10 and i'm not doing that exactly but energetically i'm like i don't i don't like how that fell or that this feels like it's coming against me or i know this person's not you know operating from discernment and i was taking it very heavy and very personal now i'm just like having 
pity and compassion empathy. and yeah. empathy and and sometimes I mean I I'm just a human you know I struggle mm-hmm. with it but sure. but I do see more than seeing people around me change I see me changing and I see that that's changing the energy around me and I know that's true with yes. everything but yeah. just yes. in this particular instance because we've all struggled with the persecution, the censorship, yeah. all the hateful shit that's come at us because yeah. of all the things that we've said here um, about COVID in particular, you know? Yeah. Um, and so anyways, it's just, it's so encouraging to hear, you know, that's yeah. yet another person that's on that same journey of just approaching this through love. That's true. And the more I see it, the more that this unfolds and the more evidence we're just confronted with, like if, cause we're, we're paying attention to this stuff. Like there's telegram groups that I'm on where it's just like a continuous flow all day long of just evidence after Onslaught. evidence after evidence, just <laughs> videos, photos, everything. It's just nonstop and as doctor this, scientists yes. around the world coming yes. out or just just like victims people who who yeah. have like adverse reactions just filming it you know recording it and like yeah. documenting it and then putting it out there there's a lot of this information is just like it's out there right and it's just it's like starting to even get some press at this you know point. that's what i'm saying as this information comes to the surface and as as it starts to become more apparent and revealed you know these folks that he was talking about you know they are going to be turned into us you yeah. know we have to be already in we, a position we, to be receptive and treat them compassionately yeah. and we've talked about that yeah. like yeah exactly because a hard thing because of much oh god i love shit and making fun of them but well, at the same time because yes, when they're hurting yes, and yes, when they're exactly. when that happens yes. to someone close to yes. them they're going to be looking for people that are compassionate yeah. that can help them yeah. just like you and yeah. tina did yeah. just like i did yeah and we are a part of that collective yeah. that they need to be able to and we can help them in love because we can't help them and i told you so we can't help yeah, them in, exactly you know you should have known better we've been telling you yeah. that's all true yes that's all true but also is true I is that it's because we are these you know torch they're not the enemies the enemies yeah. are, are the yeah. ones that, that are that have made them everyone. leave in fear and that's and it the first thing that anybody yeah. should do is forgive themselves because you've been lied to yeah. and let's remember we were all no matter when it yeah. was we were all at some point just as asleep yeah. just as unaware and carting our kids off to the yeah. pediatrician yeah. to have their arms jabbed so you know we've all yeah. been there and i think yeah. that in that in that relatability we can find that common ground so, amen perfect anyway. wow amen. everybody please go and find and support Dr. Paul Thomas, we what an need inc- doctors like that. We do. <laughs> I, I was like, I make a 100%. trip to Portland. Should I need yes, to see certainly. a pediatrician? Oh, <laughs> I've certainly thought of it. I've certainly yeah. thought of it. Wow. So I didn't um, have a kid just so I could go see him for like. A- Scott needs to change a dirty <laughs> diaper. Is what yeah, needs yeah. to happen. I'm, I'm, on a, I'm on a good. Do we have any volunteers out there? I'm on a good. I'm on a good street. I think mine might years, be dirty. No, Scott. No, no dirty he, he hasn't changed one dirty diaper yet. So if we have any friends listening, and if he and you need someone to change Scott's a diaper, any ladies Scott's looking to get pregnant, let me know. Scott. <laughs> that's not where we were going, Scott. That's not where we were going. That's okay. hilarious. I, <laughs> I told I said I need to have a kid so I can go see Dr. Paul Thomas. There you go. There you go. Ooh, that's there almost go. what he said. Oh, wow, okay. that was kidding. perfect. Okay. Let's try to bring that one back home, maybe. Wow, everybody. Thank you so I'm very to keep much. Keep the streak alive. I, I'm, I'm, I was just joking. Yeah, I, I like it. I like it. No dirty diaper streak. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna find someone Someday for you, Scott. Well, we got manifest. We got manifest coming Scott. up. There's gonna be some families there with There's some pr- poopy diaper kids. There's gonna be some manifest babies. Sure. Sure. There might be some babies coming out of manifest <laughs> in about nine. Is that what <laughs> I see? All right, everybody. Okay. Thank you so very much for your ongoing support and encouragement. Thank you for sharing this content across uh, all of your platforms. Share it with your family and your friends who could benefit from Please. this. We know that you are definitely gonna want to share this interview. Yeah. Um, and until next time, I'm Megan sitting here with the wonderful Scott, the amazing Ed. Incredible. 
I'm the beautiful Megan. The beautiful Megan. <laughs> you are the beautiful Megan. <laughs> and we wish all of you intellectual prosperity. Good night. Pew, 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 pew,